Let's find our seats. And we're also going to be receiving the offering now. So as you're finding your seats, find your purse, your wallets. This is, uh, as we continue, this is another act of, of worship. And if this is your family, this is our opportunity to give back as the Lord has given to us, uh, our tithes and offerings. Today, today is week three in our series, Following Christ, a Gospel-Centered Church. And uh, this week, as, uh, as I was sick, it all started Tuesday evening. I was just knocked out flat. I was a sick sick pansy for a few days. Just ask my wife. I was just, I was dead. Uh, couldn't move me. I was just coughing, wheezing. And so thank God for my wife, uh, for being the family backbone, supporting the whole thing, and uh, even rescuing me from the children most, most days. So um, what you have this morning is thanks be to God because my wife was faithful in serving me. Uh, so it wasn't easy. I know. I know. I had to kick her over to the Windsors next door. So uh, this morning we are going to be talking about uh, the bride of Christ, uh, having shared lives together, the church. And so I want to encourage you, grab a Bible, and we're going to be turning to Ephesians chapter 1, reading the first two verses, because for us to understand what we're going to be getting into after that, we have got to understand who Paul is writing to. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So page uh, 976, if you grabbed one of our uh, pew Bibles, chair Bibles. And then we're going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 4. So follow along with me. Hear these. These are the words of the Lord. So listen carefully, because all words are God-breathed. These are his words, not just man's words. These are God's words. Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing that we need to hear before we get into anything else is that Paul is talking to the saints in Ephesus. He's talking to the church. These letters that were written were, were circular letters. These were, these were letters that were directed to the church in Ephesus for these people to hear. But these letters soon became circular, where they were, they were passed around from church to church to church to church. And so these are the letters to the church in Ephesus that were passed around in the area. But... Since these are God's words, these are also words for the church in Mokina. These are, this can be to the saints who are in Mokina and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are our words from Paul this morning. Let's move on over to chapter 4. Chapter you got to understand, I, I, prayers of the people, I don't want to say went long, but we prayed a lot this morning. So this is like Ephesians is my baby. I love Ephesians because it talks about the church, and this is where we as a, a church started out. So I'm going to try as much as possible, as quickly as possible, 
to get through this, but if I'm going long, I just want to apologize on the front end. All right, nothing new there. Uh, Chapter 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who over all and through all and in all. But grace has been given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of faith, of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be like children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Well, in my... In my life vocation as, as a pastor, as soon as I introduce myself, uh, like in a Starbucks, or have ca- casual conversations, uh, like in, a, in et cetera, I remember having this conversation at this little uh, breakfast joint right downtown Mokina. Introduce yourself. Oh, so what do you do? I'm a pastor. Oh. You know, everything kind of either shuts down or you get a story, you know? And a lot of times, uh, one of the things that I hear is that, um, from people, and this is repeated, and and maybe this is your story too, or you share some of these sentiments, and so this morning, part of what I'm going to do is stir the pot. I'm good for that, and, and I'm stirring the pot for the sake of Christ, to align our our minds with the things that are of Scripture, and so maybe some of you will get a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. Here's the thing. The thing that I hear frequently from people is that, I'm a Christian too. I I love Jesus, but I have no need for the church. Have you heard those kind of conversations, had those kind of conversations? Oh, I'm a Christian. I I love Jesus. Yeah, oh yeah, I am this, I that. I I read the Bible, I pray. But I, I really have no need for the organized church. I have no need 
for going to church, being a part of a church. I'm a Christian, and that's all that matters. I just love Jesus. I have no need for the church. And when I, as a, as a fellow Christian, take pastor out of there, I, as a fellow Christian, when I hear that, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to hear people say, I have, I have no need for the church. I, I have no need for uh, belonging to people. And Paul, when he was speaking to the church in Ephesus, said, listen, you are the body of Christ locally of the zip code of Ephesus. Grace and peace to you. From God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to urge you. And then he goes on his little thing. The body of Christ the church is critical. It is critical to our life. You've probably heard these things. And a lot of times, some, a lot of times they're just smoke screens because people have been uh, hurt or their, their level of spiritual maturity is, is in a different place. They've been taught poorly about the importance of the body of Christ. And maybe it's, it's true for you too where you, you have expressed and still express some of these things and you're here this morning because, you know what, I, I just need to, every once in a while I show up, I get my fill of Jesus and then I'm going to go. Sing a couple songs because it has a little bit more energy than just me and my iPod singing along. The body of Christ is absolutely critical to your life. The body of Christ is absolutely critical to my life. John Stott, one of my favorite writers, said this in his, his preface to his commentary on Ephesians. He said this, One of our chief evangelical blind spots has been to overlook the central importance of the church. We tend to proclaim individual salvation without moving on to the saved community. We tend to emphasize that Christ died for us to redeem us from all our iniquity rather than to purify for himself a people of his own. We tend to think of ourselves more as Christians than as churchmen. And our message is more good news of a life than of a new society. Nobody can emerge from a careful reading of Paul's letter to the Ephesians with a privatized gospel. For Ephesians is the gospel of the church. It sets forth God's eternal purpose to create through Jesus Christ a new society which stands out in a bright relief against the somber background of an old world. For God's new society is characterized by life in place of death, by unity and reconciliation in place of division and alienation, by the wholesome standards of righteousness in place of the corruption of wickedness by the love and peace in the place of hatred and strife, and by unremitting conflict with evil in place of a flabby compromise with it. This vision of a renewed human community has stirred me deeply, John Stott says. At the same time, the realities of lovelessness and sin in so many contemporary churches are enough to make one weep. 
where they dishonor Christ, contradict the nature of the church, and deprive the Christian witness of integrity. The church is critical for the gospel going out. The local church is critical. My prayer this morning is that our heart is warmed to the local church, wherever it is. If you're visiting this morning, that your heart is warmed for your local church. If it's Missio Day Church, I pray that our heart this morning is so warmed for one another. I, I, I pray that it's, it's like the Apostle Paul when he said to the church in Thessalonica, where he's, he's talking about being so affectionately desirous of you, the church in Thessalonica, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. There's just, can you hear that in Paul? Affectionately desirous of you. I'm wondering if that is even a, a shared emotion, that feeling that we have amongst each other. Can we say that I am so affectionately desirous of this person and this person? And so when they are missing, oh my gosh, my heart is just, there's, there's a missing gap here because we need each other. We are the body of Christ. And when there is a, a hand missing, an eye missing, an ear missing, and this piece, that little pinky thing, or that little toe, when that piece is missing, oh, we are incomplete. Do we have that? Or do we go, oh, I guess we just need less chairs this morning. Makes it easier for the road crew, right? <laughs> A couple chairs here or there, you know? Are we so affectionately desirous that we, we want to share not only the gospel, but we want to share our own selves, our, our whole life. And for some of you, that's, that's a little scary. Talking about sharing your whole life with one another. Because some of us, we, we get these ideas, these dreams about what church should be like, what community is like. You know, especially if you've been scarred, kicked to the curb a couple times. You, you have these ideas, well, this is what it is. And when I enter into a community or a marriage, or a relationship, or a friendship, or anything like these kind of things. I, here are my demands. Here's my long list. And you pull them out. And immediately, the community that you enter into, the friendship, the relationship, is screwed. True? Because you start going through your checklist, and you say, I'll take it easy on them. First, the easiest thing. All right. Yes. They met that criteria. And as the list goes on, you start going... No, that, no, no, oh, no, no, I'm done. My hands are clean. I've tried once. I've tried twice. Forget it. I'm out. I'm going to go find a more perfect church for me. Are you ever going to find that? Absolutely not. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, if you haven't read it yet, Life Together is a phenomenal book. 
It's a little, a little heady, a little weighty. Read it, though. This is a guy who was persecuted because of his faith by the Nazis. And this is one of the things that came out of this. He said, every human wish dream that is injected into the Christian community is a hindrance to genuine community and must be banished if genuine community is to survive. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter, even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial. He's saying, when we come in with our checklist of things and say, this is what my Christian community must be like, and if they don't meet up to my standards, forget them. He says, you've got to, you've got to push those out because your dreams are greater than God's dreams. And that's absolutely ridiculous. He goes on to say this, and this is skipping a, a paragraph because I'm cut short. He, he goes on to say this, because God has already laid the only foundation of our fellowship, because God has bound us together in one body with other Christians in Jesus Christ, long before we entered into common life with them, we enter into that common life not as demanders. Hear that. Not as demanders, but as thankful recipients. We thank God for what He has done for us. We thank God for giving us brethren who live by His call, by His forgiveness, and His promise. The Christian community, the church of Jesus Christ, is critical for the gospel, for the gospel to go out, to be lived and breathed, to be witnessed to. But we must be lived, it must be lived out as thankful recipients, not as demanders. And that's hard, isn't it? Especially if you've been kicked around. Because you're always wary. And I know, I know for a fact, even it's true here for Missio Day, I know that we have absolutely ugly days. Ugly days and moments. Hopefully more moments than days. But I know it's true. But it, it, it's true even in the New Testament. There's plenty of inconsistencies. There's plenty of problems with the local churches that Paul addressed. He was all over them all the time, correcting behavior and saying, what are you doing? Oh, what about this? Don't sleep with her. Don't do this. Oh, come on. You're greed. You're this. What about? Come on. There's all kinds of problems in and out of the Old Testament, New Testament, and today. And I know that churches have burned and are burning people today. I know that the church has lost its focus and still does lose its focus at times. But here's the deal. You cannot be for, G be for Jesus and against the church. You can't. You see, Jesus died for the church. He said he builds his church. And he calls the church his own and his bride. It's not biblical for us to follow Jesus and to separate yourself from his church. It's antithetical. It's not heroic, nor is it cool to think of yourself as some kind of revolutionary. 
for Jesus, touting the banner, I love Jesus, but I don't need the church. It's unbiblical. For me, it's tragic. What is tragic is those who claim to be Christian without committing to a church. It's tragic. It's absolutely tragic. Because the truth is, without being a part of the church, any Christian without a church, a family, a body of believers, is like a fish without water. They might flap around enthusiastically and look like there's a lot of activity going on. And after a while, they're making absolutely no real progress. And eventually, the flapping will cease. And in the vast majority of cases, sadly, their faith simply fizzles out. I've seen it in our body. In our family. People start, I don't need to do that. I don't need to be a part of the family. I don't need to. And what happens? The vibrancy of the whole body and the individual starts to fizzle. To suggest that Christians can live a healthy Christian lifestyle without being truly part of the body of Christ, a church family would be seemingly contrary to the practice even of the the early church. So the compelling question we have got to ask is, are we deeply attached to the church? Are we connected? Are, Are there fibers that are just overlaying on top of one another and we are we when we when there's a pull in our lives by external forces or relational issues is it difficult to pull us to get pull us apart or is it just like oh well that was it i'm done has god placed you in a church that is led by godly men and women whom you trust, who teach you God's word with integrity in such a way that you can follow them with good conscience? If so, I want to encourage you that you allow God to stir a greater love in your heart for the church that he has given you. That's right, a church that he has given you. Real quick, very quick, because I just, I caught this the other day, Acts chapter 4. Fly over to Acts chapter 4, uh, 9-12, if you got the Pew Bible. In, nine, in, in chapter 4, I'll give you the brief synopsis. Uh, what was happening here is Peter and John are going before the council um, because they have been caught sharing about Jesus Christ. And the council had already rebuked them and said, no, you may not talk about this Jesus. And so what did they do? They beat him. They said, you may not talk about this. And Peter, opening his mouth again, says, "Uh, the only authority we listen to is Christ. They flogged him. And then look at verse 23. 4 verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, and then they just prayed, prayed together. Now, verse 23, 
It said they went to their who? Their friends. If you look at this in the literal Greek, it says that they went to their own. It doesn't say friends. They went to their own. They went to their people. They went to their peeps. They're, they're they went to their people. And I pray that, that you will become increasingly convinced that our local church community is your own people. I pray that, I pray that you, Matt Anderson is your people. That, that Tennille Anderson is your people. That Jake is your people. Katie is your people. That these are your people. And that if all hell breaks loose, uh, everything is toppling down, you go to who? Your people. These are your people. When you need encouragement, when you are frustrated, when your legs are knocked out, who do you go to? Oh, you go to your people because you know what? That is where we pray together, where I am encouraged, where I am loved, where I am corrected. These are my people. And I cannot do life without them. Because these are, these are the people of God who have been saved by His power and for His purposes in my life and this world. They are needed. I need them dearly. Dearly. And I say this not just to make you smile, get you all warm and fuzzy. And there's days where I, I really got to work on saying this in my head, as you might have to say it too. But I believe, and not just because I'm the founding guy, but I believe that Missio Day is the best church in the world. Thank you. C.J. Mahaney, one of my favorite Reformed Charismatic guys, says, this is the dearest place on the earth. And my wife can even tell that, you know, Sunday morning, my head, I got, I got to go, I got to get to the school. Because I got a message I got to share with my people. This is a dear place. And yet we struggle and we, we, we drop the ball, don't we? All the time. Just ask around. These are, this is our family. These are, de- you are dear people. People who are chosen by God. Saved by his power. Placed here in this area. Worshiping together as a family. I believe that heaven is outworked in the church. We get glimpses of what heaven is and should be like. Oh, we're far from perfect. Far from perfect. Thank God for His grace and His mercy. We, we, 
we as a community strive and work hard to live by different values that we are thoroughly persuaded of, that, that we see in Scripture and we read this and we go, so what does this mean? How do we do this? I don't know. How do you? And we work it together because we're the people of God working together. How do we do this? I don't know. We got a budget They're increasing by 13%. What are you insane? I don't know. What do you think? Let's work together. Let's make it happen. For what? Not our purpose. The kingdom of God. You're on my right. You're on my left. Let's do it together. And these values are based on, on kingdom, heavenly values. Because why? The church is precious. It's absolutely precious. It's his bride. We are his bride. We are his body. And it is wonderful. It is magnificent. And we cannot apply sanctification and obedience to the individual only. We have to restore the church to its biblical model. To what it's called to be. The theme of restoration is seen throughout all of Scripture. All of Scripture. If you look back to Nehemiah, and what was Nehemiah's primary task? It was the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem that were at one time demolished. The restoration of the walls. And we are the people of God, and we must rebuild our distinctives up and say this is who we are restoring what was lost, restoring lost and broken relationships, building up marriages, building up friendships, building up this, building up that, restoring what was lost and broken. But restoration is also about the recovering of the corporate presence of God. David restored the ark of Israel back. He brought it back into the people, not just for his own sake, but he brought it back for the people of God. He wanted the presence of God to be in the midst of the people of God. A personal relationship with the Spirit is not adequate. It is not enough. We need a church that is full of the Spirit corporately. Full of the Spirit corporately. And God wants to make the church truly his temple. We want God to dwell in his people as a body. The church is where God is, where God is here now. His presence is here, neither quenched nor grieved. And this is fundamental. Peter left everything. To follow Jesus, who is known as Emmanuel, God with us. Peter followed Jesus and was told one day, hey Peter, I am going. And Peter was angry with him about him saying that he was going away. And then shortly after, what did Jesus say? I won't be here anymore, but you know what? I will be back. The coming of the Holy Spirit meant that Jesus was going to be with them. You can keep your religion, but being with Jesus is 
magnificent. To be a Christian is to be with Jesus. We need to be with those who cannot bear the thought of, the de- of a day without Jesus. And when Pentecost came and the Spirit fell on his people, I'm sure Peter just goes, He's back! hate doing church when Jesus is not here. It's the presence of God that makes our church distinct. People of God, when we are individually saved and sanctified, and we are corporately saved and sanctified, made new and restored, renewed by hearing the word, applying the word, changing, putting putting to death corporately and individually things in our life that need to die, and coming alive again in Him, oh, it's beautiful. There's nothing more beautiful than the church of Christ when she is faithful, when she is living faithfully. There's nothing more beautiful than that. So where do we begin? I don't know. The first is, this could be another 20-week series, and some of you will go, oh, Lord, come back soon. First thing is that we have to truly love the God of the gospel, the one who has saved us, who has given his Son, who has sent his Spirit to dwell among us. We have got to love the God of the gospel dearly. And as we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, we've got to love one another. And you see all throughout Scripture, these one another's. And I'm going to fly through them. And maybe I'll post them on the city later. We need to serve one another as good stewards of God's manifold grace by washing one another's feet. By loving one another. In honor preferring one another. Not judging one another. Serving one another. Not provoking one another. Or envying one another. Bearing one another's burdens. Forbearing one another in love. Forgiving one another. Teaching and admonishing one another with song. Comforting one another. Edifying one another. Exhorting one another. Consider one another to provoke another to love and to good works. Do a search. If you've got a little concordance in the back of your Bible, heck, we all got internet nowadays, do a search on the one another's. How do we be the body of Christ? Love the God of the gospel with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Everything that we are. Love him fully, completely. And then after that, we love one another in every way possible. Where we cannot do without each other. We're drawn into such deep, loving, 
community that we reflect the kingdom of God. We're people who are searching. Go, oh, that's, that's what life is to be like. And you go, yeah, let me tell you about the God of the gospel and our values of our, our community, which are based on heavenly kingdom values. This is what it means to be a part of the body of Christ, the bride, his community, his family. We love one another. And you know what? We can't do without each other. So we're going to be going to the table with one another, together. And as we go, there's going to be, we must do it in light of what we've heard. If we do not, (laughs) we're going to be missing something. So listen carefully. Having heard from the Lord in rebuke and exhortation, we together as a church now commune with Him at His table. Must be prepared for by Him. It is here that we hear from Him not only in word, but through the physical elements also. So hear these words and prepare your heart. From Revelation. Is it up there? Did you hit Revelation 3 for me, Leah? Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, church, anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. But this dining with Christ is also a dining with each other. As each believer is a member of one loaf of bread. 1 Corinthians 10, 16-17 says this, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the participation in the, the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not the participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. We therefore need to examine ourselves to see how we have loved the Lord and our neighbor as ourselves. The manner of our partaking is to be reflective of the gospel. A declaration of his death, which he joins Jew and Gentile, slave and free, rich and poor. And to do otherwise is to act contrary to the gospel and to become unworthy partakers. As we come to the table, we come together as God's people, saved by his power, for his purposes, for his witness in this world.
Examine your hearts. And come to the table, the Eucharist table, with thanksgiving for what God has done. cup of blessing which we bless is it not the participation of the blood of Christ and the bread which we break is it not the participation of the body of Christ come for all things are ready those who are serving please come forward